0: This is the MG Car Club Podcast with Wayne Scott and Adam Sloman.
1: On this week's episode, we discovered just how brilliant it is to own a 1930s midget.
0: The MG Car Club Podcast.
1: Hello, and welcome to another MG Car Club Podcast. Wayne Scott with you. I hope you're well and looking forward to the summer ahead as we head into May already and 52 episodes of the MG Car Club Podcast. Unbelievable that it's a year's worth of episodes it's over a year actually since we started recording uh, that we started this series i hope you're still enjoying it and if there's anything you'd like to hear by the way we'd like to hear from you to tell us about it you can get in touch with us very easily via the podcast pages mgpodcast.uk just click the contact form there and fill in the form or even better you can leave us a voice message on there still where we can get you onto this show mgpodcast.uk UK. Uh, do let us know if there's anything that you think we should be covering here on the podcast or anyone with an interesting story, perhaps your interesting story, that you think we ought to be sharing. And sharing was what it was all about last weekend as the FBHVC's National Drive It Day for Childline was heralded a huge success, mainly thanks to us lot. Uh, Whether it was a small socially distanced group or convoy or individual journeys, the UK was graced with thousands of enthusiasts collectively hitting the roads in our classic MG's together to show off the nation's transport heritage. They're still adding up the money that we raise for the NSPCC's Childline charity – but it looks very, very positive for going over the target of £30,000 that the FBHVC had in mind. So, a fantastic achievement for the historic vehicle community, a fantastic achievement for the MG community across the UK, and very important, of course, because it raises awareness amongst the general public of us and our efforts to preserve tomorrow's transport heritage. You can see all the images from Drive It Day on the website at driveitday.co.uk. Also, the MG Car Club was back out racing very recently as the season opener took place on a sunny spring weekend in Kent for the opening round at Brands Hatch. Six of the race categories were out on grid from the pre war cars right the way up to the modern day MGs, and you can read all about it on the mg car club motorsport pages just go to mgcc.co.uk and click motorsport in the top right hand corner that'll take you straight to those race reports and also you can watch live streaming but on demand of course whenever you're ready via the mg car club facebook page as well which covered the race in detail throughout the whole of that weekend and it was also a week that was dominated by news of mg motor at the shanghai motor show and they released a video that we shared with you via the mg car club's weekly newsletter and our social media pages a very bright zingy and exciting video of their stand at the shanghai motor show and it's very clear that they are going for tech heavy gadget laden cars aimed squarely at those young at heart and the youth market of course in China. They obviously think it's the market they need to target. It seems to be working for them as they continue to grow around the world. And the best thing about it was once again there was a sports car on the MG stand at a motor show. The Cyberster made an appearance, and we can't wait to see it here in the UK. You can see all the pictures and indeed that video via the news pages at mgcc.co.uk. Now, though, we go pre-war to find out just how brilliant and joyful it is to own a 1934 PA midget.
0: The MG Car Club podcast.
1: The MG Car Club, the mark of friendship. To take advantage of our many membership benefits, access to our centres and registers, and to receive your copy of Safety Fast magazine, join us now at mgcc.go. Sharing your passion for MG on the MG Car Club podcast. Well, a testament to the variety of models that the MG Car Club offers car enthusiasts is really lined up in our podcast today looking over the past few episodes we have covered the mgz celebrating their 20th anniversary this year we've covered mg midgets and other cars sprinting and hill climbing at kerbera but now we're going to talk about triple m's and we have had members of the triple m register on the podcast before so for those of you who might not have joined us then or are unfamiliar with the triple m's what does it mean well it refers to pre-war MG's, overhead cam engines and the 3Ms are Midgets produced between 1929 and 1936, Magnas that were produced between 1931 and 1933 and Magnets which were produced between 32 and 36 a name of course that was revived in the 1950s with the Magnet saloons uh, but so uh, we're not talking about them right now we're talking about pre-war cars and an exciting Triple M event as well that you can get involved with and to tell us all about it and to talk us through his own MG ownership journey is Tony Richards. Hi, Tony.
0: Hello. Nice to see you again, Rain.
1: Good to have you on the podcast and good to be talking to a member of the Triple M Register in the MG Car Club. You are a vintage MG aficionado, I'm thinking. You've owned not just one of them. Talk us through how you first got interested in MGs.
0: Well, it was a fascinating story. I, I, I was looking for an Austin 7. Uh, and uh, the family said, uh, daughter, son, and wife said, "Um, no, uh, no, we're not going to be seeing one of those, and I found this little MGM type, uh, and uh, took Ruth to see it, and she said, hmm, yeah, I think we could, I think I could go for that, and that was a start of a journey going back to 2014, um, uh, which we thoroughly enjoyed, and uh, we, we bought it, and it, was needed some sorting out, which uh, fortunately I have got a good friend in in Harvey, not far from us, called Andy King, who helped us uh, correct some of the issues with it. But once we did that, it was amazing. We went on tours in uh, Northern Ireland, Cornwall, um, and Lincoln in it, uh, driving there and back as well. Apart from Cornwall, we did take an exception on that one, um, but yeah, it was great fun, and we've compete. We took it down to pre-war Prescott, uh, where uh, both myself and Ruth uh, drove it up the hill um but yeah it's just so different you know double D clutching and all those sort of wonderful things but great fun
1: it is a different driving experience and, and can be quite challenging owning a pre-war uh vintage car these days but i guess of all the pre-war cars you could buy an mg is pretty good in everyday traffic today and there's a very good support for parts as well isn't there
0: yeah we've that's the one thing we found with sports and vintage and with andy king as well um, we've been able to get most of the things that we've, we've needed. But uh, driving on the right yes, you can drive them on the road, but you have to really take account of what might happen or what potentially could happen in the next few hundred yards because the brakes are quite good at slowing you down, uh, but there's no option for actually stopping on the point. Uh, so you have to have, have an awful lot of anticipation. Defensive driving is probably the best description. Um, But moving on to the MGPA, which we we now have, uh, it really, I can only compare it to the age of when the computers were in being It's It's not just a small incremental change. In those days, from 1932 to 1934, there were step changes. Uh, You know, the PA uh, is starting to become a a classic, almost a a classic car. Um, Still got all the interest of driving it brakes are better but um yeah it, it, you sit in it not on it <laughs> but uh, it's a more capable touring car um so uh, and now we fitted the 950 or upgraded to a 950 engine it it's reasonably competent in modern driving
1: well this is the thing isn't it the pa was the start really of their development of these cars into real rugged sports cars and this is Cecil Kimber's era this is before um, he left MG this is pre-war this is when he was developing this car out of being a special bodied Morris into a sports car that would take the world by storm and one of the ways that they did that of course was through trialing um, and PAs and PBs especially that made up the cream cracker cars uh, were tested very extensively in trialing and you can feel that DNA in them. They are rugged. They look delicate, but they can take a good beating, can't they?
0: <laughs> well, uh, I have to say, uh, um, having been involved with classic cars for many, many years, uh, I can't believe that this thing happily revs to five thousand rpm. Uh, indeed, it becomes necessary on some of the hills to do that. Um, and uh, yeah, as you say, you can. It, it's a, it's actually a very incredibly reliable car. Uh, and as you say, equally, easy to maintain. But handling, uh, yeah, you know, at 60 miles an hour, perhaps I'm getting older and more nervous these days, but 60 uh, is quite exciting. In fact, uh, my son, he drives the um, Honda-powered Lotus Elise, and he reckons driving the M-Type and the PA at 50 to 60 miles an hour is equivalent to flat out in the Lotus <laughs> Elise, <laughs> which probably is what makes them so attractive is that you can actually have a lot of driving fun um in at legal speeds and much lower speeds uh, than in the, the later cars
1: it's very easy to see isn't it when you get to drive these cars and by the way if you're listening to this podcast and you've never experienced a pre-war mg find a way of doing it through the mg car club because it is an incredible experience and it's it's amazing to think that you know people use these cars as everyday transport didn't they
0: yeah well we do go shopping in it um, and we do use it on a regular basis we when we go walking we take it with us and uh, we even commute to our children in manchester uh, and uh Crip, which is what 90 and 50 miles and in fact only last week we went down to Daventry in it which for us is a is uh, nearly a 150 mile round trip in a day. So yeah, you know, we do use it. Perhaps we try and avoid the motorways during the busy days, um, because we can only cruise really sensibly about 50, 55 miles an hour. Uh, but yeah, on the side roads, that's adequate for most of the road going speeds. But yeah, so it does get used, which we did last year. Well, not last year but the year before in a normal year we all do between sort of upwards of three thousand four thousand miles in it which is i know is not usual for most uh, vintage car owners
1: i mean it's easy to see isn't it that just how those cars made mg a brand that became a household name in the 1930s and these were the cars of course that american servicemen were buying up when they came to serve in britain during the second world war they were relatively cheap by then um if you could get your hands on one and They didn't have sports cars like this in America, these little dinky, rugged sports cars. And this was really the beginning. It paved the way for this export market of British sports cars to America, didn't it? It captured their imagination and it's easy to see why.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, Their cars were large. They generally don't handle that well. And here's this little thing that'll buzz around the corners. Uh, And as I say, I can't say how many times that the the driving experience is exhilarating Um, because you've actually got to think what you're doing. Nothing happens by accident. Even changing gear, you've got to get the revs right. You've got a double D clutch. Um, When you uh, you negotiate a corner, uh, you've actually got to line up for the corner. You can't just point and turn. You've actually got to line the car up. Uh, ready to go around the corner if you want to maintain a, a reasonable speed in it. I mean, we, um, as we said, we, you, we do take it to pre-war Preston, uh which I, I can't, I, I just cannot tell you, anyone with an ounce of engineering uh, enthusiasm, it's a, just a wonderful day out to see all these pre-war cars lined up, uh, all going up the hill. And in fact, I drive it up, my wife drives it up, in a reasonably spirited manner, uh and
1: uh they handle
0: they handle all right. They, you know, the uh we uh maybe not as fast as we could go up in a modern car, but having said that, the driving experience is equivalent.
1: How did you learn to drive this car, Tony?
0: Did it come naturally? Did you have to ah, f- sort of well, teach yourself um, or we we have some uh you and i have some mutual old friends in the in the car in the car world mm-hmm. uh, you you'll remember an old friend called reg bowler mm-hmm. who came over and gave me a little instruction and a gentleman you mentioned just before we started doing this uh discussion was uh, dick goody or sort of came ra- rallied around rallied round me and gave me a little bit of education on actually how to change gear and my brother as well who's older than me by the way Uh, but yes you you can't just get in it and go as my son found out much to his frustration he thought i can drive a car (laughs) (laughs) until he got in there how do i get it to change gear
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's one of those things though when you get it right you get a real the car gives you that feedback doesn't it and you you get a real sense of almost achievement actually of of making the car feel smooth while you're driving it
0: absolutely and you don't get that little crunch in the gears which Mm. i still do get occasionally but it's very nice when it just goes straight through (laughs) as sweet as a (laughs) nut
1: how do you how do you get what's the reception that you get from the public on the roads in one is it like one of frustration because they're queued up behind you or do you feel like you get a warm welcome still on the roads
0: no uh, we've 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 not really providing you respectful we've not really seen any frustration but the 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 incredible thing is that the younger the children are uh you know Mm. the teenagers down they just love it wicked cool mate fantastic <laughs> they like the low side the openness but it, yeah, it does attract quite a lot of attention from the younger generation and indeed all generations um, who, who really want you know seeing something but probably the those for the more technical bent uh, the most stunning thing to them is that here we have a a, a car with a overhead cam and a cross flow cylinder head yeah and most most of the classic car folk really didn't even think that that was done before the war yeah uh, they all associate it with the 1980s Fords uh, when the cross flow uh, started to appear on the scene but I mean all that is built into this thing it's uh, and it's pretty good as well when you look in there that's it's well engineered um, but uh yeah it's uh that that's so that's the sort of two reactions you get technocrats who start looking at it uh and they see that in it and then you as i say the others just like the sheer style because uh, it's it is so different to your modern day cars
1: yeah well absolutely they were groundbreaking in their day and they remain an important part of transport heritage a window really into a time when britain was at the forefront of transport engineering uh cecil kimber a genius really to take that brand and develop it into the sports car that it became and one that still remains a brand in the world uh today incredible really does it come with any pitfalls though tony owning a triple m car these days are there any parts um, you can't yeah. get for them what's the difficulties
0: yeah yeah but, well there are times when Certain key parts aren't, aren't available. I have had had to do some work on mine, and I've been lucky that the key parts I wanted have been available at the time I wanted them. It's not al- not always the case. I think the other thing you, you have to prepare yourself for is that uh, whatever it costs you to maintain a classic car, uh, you're going to spend double or treble on a vintage car just because of the sheer cost uh, mm-hmm. of the parts for them. Uh, but having said that a lot of the parts can be restored very easily with a, a file a hammer and a screwdriver uh, because of their simplicity but obviously the key components yeah can be quite expensive
1: well the great thing is of course you have the mg car club and its triple m register and that is a great resource isn't it and a great group of people to help you through owning um, a car like
0: that i think i have one little story for you there is that uh, we went to uh, mg live uh, which of course you then realize that the MG car consists of many registers from vintage through triple M to T-Type and so forth. But uh, anyway, my son went along with me because they do Lotus Racing, of course, at the MG Live event, uh, which was his attraction. Anyway, we got there, arrived in the car and and this was in the M-Type days. And uh, we got out and Pete said he's never ever at any car club had such a warm welcome i think it took us an hour and a quarter to get away from the car <laughs> uh, and what fascinating was that there was these people of all age groups and they weren't only interested in talking about my car their cars they were also well able to talk to him about his honda and honda bad lotus and all the rum but he said i've just never got that reception at uh, any of the other car clubs um, certainly, it was a bit, it was warm to both myself and uh, and to my son. So, uh, and we've had similar reception uh, at some of the other things, like they have a triple M summer gathering, uh, which the late Peter Green established. Uh, it's a Gathering north of London, uh, which we've done the tours, um, which we're going to talk about shortly uh, around the country, and as I say we've done pre-war Prescott and other social events in it, and. The reception is extremely welcome and warm
1: well if you are interested in uh, learning more about the triple m cars within the mg car club of course you can find details to the triple m register on mgcc.co.uk just click the registers button there and also on this podcast because we interviewed michael allison way back on episode 26 and 27 Uh, michael allison uh, an absolute uh, legend in triple m circles knows those cars inside out and of course we also interviewed jonathan toolman who owns his father's cream cracker a pb from the famous trialing days of the works team other stuff to find out about triple m's with on the mg car club podcast and website and of course big events coming up when finally we're allowed out after the 21st of june the roadmap seems to be unfurling as planned and you've got a great event planned in early july actually in rutland haven't you
0: we have yes it's the triple m register stilton and pork Pie tour which is a social and touring event on the from the 11th to the 15th of July 2021 we do have some spaces left on it uh, and basically we're gathering at the uh, Barnsdale Hall overlooking the uh, Rutland Reservoir with uh, with absolutely fabulous setting and with some lovely car parking areas to show folks car off and I'm sure on these sorts of events there'll be one or two on axle stands and heads looking under bonnets and under cars, uh, as is the uh, form of these events, and some lovely places for the ladies to sit uh, and observe the lake and in fact walk uh, in the local countryside there, a magnificent place. Um, And we're uh, basically, we've organised tours which we hope will appeal to both the gentlemen and the ladies, um, visiting uh, some real attractions like Beaver Castle, uh, the Beaver Castle Engine Yard, Uh, And then I think we're providing an opportunity for the uh, boys to visit the uh, Andy King's pre-war MG workshop at Tarby uh, for a morning while the ladies enjoy some boutique shopping and being uh, looked after. Uh, And then we move on from there to Belton House. So that's just the first day, uh, followed by an evening meal. And then on the Tuesday, we're... uh, going to visit a, a small collection, a private collection of vintage and veteran cars uh, in Mount Sorrel, uh, along with a peek at Pook's Motoring Bookshop, which is famous for the, all the car his, uh, history books. And then in the afternoon, we go to the longest series of locks, uh, Foxton Locks uh, for uh, an afternoon and uh, lunch by there. And for those who still want more to do, they can visit the uh, Barnsdale Gardens. Fantastic. Uh,
1: Of course, which used to be Gardener's World back in the day. It
0: did. Jeff Hamilton made it famous indeed on the BBC Gardening World.
1: Yeah, fantastic.
0: Uh, So on the Wednesday, yet more excitement, we go to Ibrook Reservoir, which I know you will know uh, well. Yeah. Beautiful roads around there. And we stop at the historic village of Lidington. Um, Beautiful village with a lovely uh, English heritage bead house uh before we move on to the nean valley railway for a ride out into lincolnshire
1: oh fantastic to see story. all those cars next to the steam engines at nean valley railway <laughs> would be amazing what a fantastic yeah. opportunity
0: we have a again a uh, an evening and during the evening we have some entertainment uh on on all evenings indeed because we're not quite sure how things will pan out obviously in the current scenario but yeah so what promises to be a a, a, a hopefully an amazing event and an opening event for our new normal normality
1: absolutely well i should be there as well i'll be joining you on one of those evenings to bring the podcast flavor really to uh, that event on one of the evenings tuesday evening i'm planning to be with you uh, to talk all about mg's Uh, i won't tell you what we're going to be talking about that's a surprise which i'll leave for who are attending. But so where can people find out more about this event and perhaps take up some of those spare places you've got left, Tony?
0: Uh yeah, the, that's very easy. If you go onto the Triple M MMM, uh register website webpage, you'll find the event is advertised there along with the entry forms uh, and indeed a promotion document which is more or less what I've been using as my notes. Um, and or of course they can t- contact me directly uh, on uh by email. On Tony Ruth Richards at Outlook.com.
1: Fantastic. We'll put links to all of that on the description part of the podcast page as well, of course, with links to the Triple M Register website, which is triple M Register.org. But we'll put links down there for you so you can find those events listings very easily. Uh, Now you've sold Triple M cars to us, Tony. uh, What advice would you give to someone who perhaps, I don't know, owns an mgz one of the more modern mg's perhaps or maybe even an mgb and would like to get into the pre-war mg's what words of advice have you got
0: i think what i would say to them is uh, go to one of the events uh, and the, i think you'll find a very warm welcome um, but more importantly um, see if you can find somebody who'll let you have a ride in it or maybe even just a little quick ride because of, I think you can take advantage of the MG insurance in some cases to drive other people's cars. Uh, but have a go, and I think you'll find that you'll see a whole new experience in driving. Not better, different. Uh, that, uh, people often ask me on my older cars, uh, which one do you prefer? And I have to say, it depends. Yeah, uh, They all have their character, but quite definitely pre-war car- cars have a character of their own. Uh, and give you a driving experience at legal speeds that you cannot possibly achieve in a post-war car
1: i've always thought it's the nearest i'll ever get to knowing what it's like to pilot a second world war (laughs) airplane
0: yes Very you, much so. You can't
1: help but feel like Biggles or a Spitfire pilot when you're driving a pre war car, can you? <laughs> no. They give
0: you a big smile on your face. That is absolutely
1: true. Well, Tony, you have proven that everyone in the Triple M register is really friendly and really supportive of each other and fantastic view into pre war ownership there. As I say, you can find out more information on what the Triple M register are up to via the MG Car Club website at mgcc.co.uk. Just click on the registers button there there or triple hyphen m is their website and there's lots of information on the cars on there as well uh, they also have a nice little forum that you can get involved with to ask any questions you might have about pre-war mgs but uh, we'll see you on your event at barnsdale tony we hope it's Thank going to go ahead covid permitting all that stuff we have to say now but uh, let's hope we can uh, all get out and meet each other and see those wonderful cars in that amazing countryside
0: fantastic look forward to it
1: thanks for joining us tony richards Thanks very much. Subscribe to receive new episodes of the MG Car Club podcast at mgpodcast.uk.